0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional term supply.
1: Uh, joining us on the AT&T hotline as we make the transition back to the NBA, AT&T 4G LTE, our friend from ESPN, the NBA analyst, Tim Legler. Tim, as you can uh, probably tell, we're getting into some pretty heavy stuff here. Maybe we can lighten it up a little bit with NBA talk.
2: Uh, I tell you, I, I, I hear you. It's been a, just a tragic day yesterday, and we're still all still dealing with that. But. Uh, Sometimes, unfortunately, in sports, the games go on, so they have to be talked about for sure.
1: Indeed, indeed, and we talked about the fact that the NFL has a real big problem on their hands. Beside the 1,000 plaintiffs in the lawsuit, the game itself is causing this. And while they're trying to legislate head hits out and safety into the into the rules and the regulations, I think this problem is not something that's going to go away quickly or anytime soon.
2: Doesn't look like it. And you know, it's it's interesting because I, I've been having a chance lately to host some radio myself and talking to a lot of about a lot of different sports just. Besides the NBA, and uh, you know, the thoughts starting to get out there, like what game will be left mm. 20, 30 years from now? Will it even look like the National Football League as we know it right now?
3: how hey, many concussions did you have? Tim, we got lots of friends, former players, and I can tell you, every single ex NFL player on days like this, this asks themselves, you know, I- is my brain okay? If they lose their keys or, or forget somebody's name, they say, is that it? Is the is the darkness falling? Uh, do, 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 do basketball players go through anything like that?
2: No, there's no question that I suffered several concussions. The, the, the difference is that, I don't know, they were called concussions most of the time. Right, it, right. it seemed like growing up that it was, hey, I banged my head pretty hard, and then you kept going. I think the concussion awareness has really started to come into play the last few years. Uh, so that there's no doubt, looking back on it, I think about some of the times I had my bell rung, either on the court or just at home. In my personal life I know you know, I, I know I jumped one time in, in college, jumped up walking into a locker room and slammed the top of my head off a door jam and, you know, busted my head open and got, you know, half a dozen stitches in the top of my head. I was never diagnosed with a concussion and now you sit there and you think back on it, you know, did I have one? You know, there was other times that I got hit in NBA games. I had my nose broken, you know, my cheekbone and you're like saying, Did I get a concussion then? It wasn't diagnosed as a concussion. It, it, the, the awareness of it is totally different now. So I think as a former athlete that played most of my career basically in the 80s and 90s, uh, you know, you, you look back on it and say, I, I probably did suffer a couple that
1: were never even done. Uh, diagnosed. I'm pretty sure James Harden got one to the elbow with the elbow <laughs> of a Ron Artest. I was
3: going to ask you if you ever punched a fire extinguisher <laughs> uh, casing. And...
1: <laughs> no, I
2: typically have punched things in my lifetime when I've been frustrated that give a little bit. Yeah. That's yeah. one of the things I learned early on. To me,
3: before we get to the Celtics, the big question today, Dino, you probably agree with this one. Does uh, Amari Stoudemire, or as they call him in New York now, Bloody Mari, does Bloody Mari take the bench? Does he sit there with his sling on and a nice suit and take the abuse in the garden?
2: That's a great question. I, I, when it first happened, I immediately said when I heard he was going to be out. I said, "Well, then I wouldn't even show up in the arena if mm. I were Marshawn," because to me, here's here's the dilemma for him. One is, you know, why put yourself through that? It's completely distracting to the team uh, to have to you know bring venom, basically more venom into the garden than they already have with your presence being there. On the other hand. He's going to get vilified if he doesn't. Then they're going to call him a coward for not yeah. showing up and yeah. facing the fans. So I, I think Amari Stoudemire can't win either way. Um, but it wouldn't be the, to me. It wouldn't be the worst idea to just not make your presence felt near the court because they're going to go out there try to win a game and at least make this a competitive series. They've got one chance at it, and that's win game three. So why not do everything you can to help your teammates, which for me would be stay away from the court.
1: But even if people are of the opinion that they're not going to win this series, if and when they do lose it, won't he be the, the, the face of this, of this failed series, Tim?
2: Well, unfortunately for him, yes, and I think people are going to get away from the fact that they weren't beating the Heat no matter what. Right. I, mean, I, I said going into the series – that I didn't think the Knicks could make it competitive and maybe it's a six-game series, but there's no way they're beating him eight, four times. And I think that's what people need to understand. So certainly sports fans typically want to find that goat. They want something to blame, someone to blame. And now Amari Stoudemire has made it very easy for them. They can just point the finger at him because not only, not only did, he, did he take himself out of the series, he also wasn't really playing very well. So you've got the combination. He's got the big contract. And there's so many things dysfunctional with this team and their chemistry uh, in terms of their personnel on the court. That's really where you need to look. And also the fact that they're playing a far superior opponent mm. and a far far more complete basketball team. That's really the problem with the New York Knicks have right now. Not so much Mars Stoudemire not being out there for Game 3.
1: We're talking with Tim Legler. I'm wondering if you share the admittedly overly simplistic idea that the winner of this Game 2 that the Celtics just beat the Hawks in probably is going to win this series. That it was pivotal either way. Whichever team won certainly would have a, a leg up.
2: Yeah, I, I don't feel that way. Listen, Atlanta's the type of team, and, you know, it's funny, my nickname for them for a few years now has been Groundhog Day because that's what they're just the same team, same version, same thing. It yeah. seems like five, six years now. And and not just in terms of personnel. Even, even Larry Drew is similar to Mike Woodson in his coaching style, but more because of the decisions that they make. And I you go back to the fourth quarter of the night and give the Celtics all the credit in the world because Paul Pierce took over that game and they played with such patience and poise. But Atlanta, what a mess. I mean, you talk about isolation basketball. If you ever want to put an instructional video on, on how not to move the ball, mm-hmm. then show the fourth quarter of the game the other night. So they, they give you chances, every chance. That was their chance to take control of the series, and they didn't do it. But I'm not going to sit there and say that Atlanta has no shot of going into Boston and winning a game and making this 2-2 headed back to Atlanta for game five. So, you know, Boston certainly, you know, they they can breathe a sigh of relief that they're not down 0-2 and they get Rondo back, but they've still got to play. Atlanta's got a a very talented team, very athletic team, and on nights when they make good decisions, they're a tough team to beat. All right,
3: are they tough enough? Do they have what it takes, the guts? Do they have the guts, the heart, to come into Boston and win one or two?
2: Uh, They definitely are going to win two games there, and and listen, I, I... personally believe Boston will win both and go up 3-1, but I'm just saying it's not a foregone conclusion. Uh, they're, they're a team that is, is talented enough to get a win. You know, tough enough, I think they're tough enough. I think their problem is they're not smart enough, and that's, that's been Atlanta's problem for four or five years. They do not make good decisions, um, and they don't have a lot of discipline. And as right. talented as Josh Smith is and all the things he does to help you win games, he also does a lot of things that cost you games yeah. uh, with his decision-making offensively. and Ultimately, that will be their undoing in this series. So I, I think Boston really needs to put their foot on the gas right now and try to get both of these and, and not have to put themselves in a position where it's a best-of-three series with two of those being
3: in Atlanta. If you were uh, you and I were playing pickup, Tim, and I gave you the first pick and we had to choose between all the Hawks and all the Celtics, who would you take first and would you take uh, Pierce, Pierce and Joe John Johnson? Who do you like better?
2: I'd take Paul Pierce. I, I wouldn't even hesitate on that. I would take Paul Pierce, even at this stage of his career, because Paul Pierce, and he showed it the other night, I mean, Paul Pierce Paul is a big game player. He is a guy that is so versatile offensively that you can literally run your offense through him on a night when you don't have a point guard, and that's pretty much what Boston did the other night. I've always been a huge admirer of Paul Pierce's game. I had a chance to play against him right at the tail end of my career, and so I know what a load he is to guard. Uh, he doesn't move quite as quickly as he did back then, but he's still very efficient with what he does, and he's so smart. And most importantly, he likes pressure. And those are those are the qualities that not every player has. So Paul Pierce I would choose before Joe Johnson, but my first choice overall might be Rajon Rondo. Right,
1: right. Uh- do you consider Joe Johnson a bona fide NBA superstar? Because I'm really getting tired of hearing people say he's the most underrated superstar in the NBA. Well, there's a reason for that. I don't think he's a bona fide NBA superstar. Your take on no, that, Tim?
2: No, not at all. I, I, don't, I don't think he's a superstar. I think, I think he got superstar money, and I think they made a decision at the time he was the best available free agent. He mm-hmm. was the most highly coveted free agent that year, and he ended up getting money. When that happens, sometimes as a player you're fortunate What will the market bear? It depends on who else is out there at the time, and he was the name. He was the guy people were targeting. As a result, he got franchise player-type money. I don't put him on the same level as other guys that were in that category when they got their free agent money and they were the franchise, and you could build around them and potentially with hopes of winning a championship. I have never really put Joe Johnson on that level. I'm not disregarding the things he can do. He's a very, very good player. But I don't think if he is the guy, if he's the cornerstone right. and you're going to build around him, he's not on the same level as some of the other guys that are vying for championships this year.
1: Hey, fast-forwarding the calendar quite a bit, does LeBron win his ring this year?
2: Right now, I don't think so, in my opinion. I, I think this is a team, and I actually, I'm, I'm getting to the point now, and I'll talk about this today on First Take. Yeah. Uh, Every time I watch San Antonio, the Lakers, or Oklahoma City play, I'm more convinced that any three of those teams can win it this year. Wow. And, and you know, San Antonio might be the best team in the NBA with, with how deep they are, how well they're playing, and the fact that they're winning games without even taxing their veteran players with terms of minutes. Mm-hmm. It, it's very impressive what Popovich has done with that team this year in his rotation because they're so deep. Lakers, their size is just so unique. I look at them sometimes and I go, how, how would Miami deal with that if they got them in a the final? If the Lakers can control the pace of the game and get back in transition, how is Miami going to deal with all that size up front? Right. I just don't know how they can. And then Oklahoma City is the team I've, I've really liked all year. They haven't played their best basketball over the course of the month, but I still think that's a team that's very, very complete with their half-court defense, their front-line defense, and then they've got three different guys that can take over offensively. So, I would not be shocked if any one of those three teams win a championship. And, and of course, Miami, right now, it looks like the path's being cleared for them pretty well to get to the finals. But based on what I saw a year ago in the NBA finals, it's very difficult for me to give them the benefit of the doubt that it's going to be different for LeBron James when he gets back to that stage.
3: All right, We we think the Celtics are going to get past Atlanta, play the winner of Philadelphia-Chicago. Do you think the Bulls, we know the Bulls did fine – without Rose in the regular season, but they always kind of felt in the back of their mind, he's coming back. We're just holding the fort here. He's not coming back anymore, Tim. Is it different now, and do you see them, uh, do they look tough enough to overcome the loss of their best player?
2: It's completely different now, and I've been through this uh, situation. We, We had Chris Weber, you know, he was in his prime in Washington, and he had the shoulder issues. And, you know, you, you kept hearing he was rehabbing and he was going to be coming back and he was at the games and he was in a suit and he was sitting on the end of the bench. And so the, the, the players that were replacing him and the role players in general, the way we played offensively was a little different. You played free and loose because you're thinking like, hey, this is, this is kind of nice. You're out here. We get more shots, but he's coming back. You know, we started playing pretty good basketball. Once he got his surgery and we knew he was not coming back, it, it, the reality of that and the enormity of what you have to try to accomplish is completely different. And I think that's what happened in Chicago the other night. They were cruising in the first half, played real well, 55 points, which was a lot for them with that unit against Philly, a good defensive team. The third quarter started when Philly went on their run. You could just kind of see the building, not just the players, the entire building, and probably the whole city of Chicago, start, it started to sink in a little bit, that you don't have that guy now that can stop these runs. You don't have that guy that the Sixers can't account for because of his speed. You know, you can plan defensively where where you want the ball to be and what you're going to do. Speed negates that, and explosiveness negates that because they, they escape and they get out of areas and they break your defense down and they create plays out of nothing. And Chicago didn't have anybody to do that. And I think it, it started to sink in. I saw a little bit of a team that was deflated, but at the same time, uh, Thibodeau is such a great coach, yeah. and that team is so highly motivated. Uh, I don't think there's any question they're going to win one of the two games in Philadelphia, and this is probably going to be a seven-game series now because Philadelphia's wow. not going to go away, and they're confident. But Chicago ultimately I think will win that series. But to get all the way through with the hopes they had before, I don't see that happening. So
3: speaking clear in the way, the Celtics could be through with Atlanta quickly, maybe five games, and Philadelphia could beat up Chicago for seven games, and then you'd be looking at Philadelphia and a Derek Roseless tired Chicago team.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think I think not Boston, bad. Bo- yeah, no, not at all. And if Boston gets through, you know, they've got to be looking at that. And, and you know, it, you, I didn't expect to see a Boston-Miami Eastern Conference final going into the playoffs, but I, I think there's a real, very real chance that we could end up
1: seeing that. Ah, uh, from your mouth to God's ears, Tim. <laughs> we, that's exactly what we we're like looking that. for. Tim, thanks for the time. Always a pleasure talking hoops with you. We'll talk to you down the road. Okay, guys. Tim Legler with Dennison Callahan on the AT and T Hotline. AT and T 4G LTE with speeds up to ten times faster than 3G. AT and T, rethink possible.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better